Well, as you guys can tell, it is not Friday when this gets released, but it's okay because it still means that I released one episode every single week. And I'm learning to take that as a win. Um, the past couple weeks, I just have really felt the weather a lot, just like the winter. It's really gotten me kind of down in the dumps a little bit. And so earlier this week, I did a little treatment um, to be able to help with that, did a ketamine treatment. And I've been doing those probably for about, I guess, almost a year now. And they've really helped me out, but they also put me out of it for a couple of days and make me extremely groggy and tired. So this week I had to do a little bit of self-care and make sure that I got myself right. So I apologize for the one-day delay. Please, please, please forgive me. <laughs> um, but I'm super excited for this week's episode because it's another one with Shane from last week. And this week is year one where he goes into detail about everything he would do to restart stay if he were starting today with all the lessons that he learned. So it's an amazing episode, very, very insightful and practical. So please listen to it, take notes. And if you like this episode, share it with a friend. So here we go with this week's episode of year one. Like when we first started, I thought, oh, in order to get this price down, you have to order this many. And so I bought all of them and our first batch was damaged <laughs> and so luckily we got replacements but it was like scary where i was like i'm all this money out and the product isn't sellable like we're screwed my name is kyle and you are listening to a special episode of freedom to fail that i call year one these entrepreneurs are kind enough to share exactly what they would do if they were starting their business today with the knowledge they have learned along the way this includes specific actions of everything from testing and launching your product to marketing it and having customers come back for more. I want to pull back the curtains on how a successful business is started so that you can do it too, regardless of your personal background or current finances. Because if owning a successful business is your dream, like it is for me, then I want to give you all the tools necessary to make it happen. So let's get started. All right, ready to jump into year one. Yeah, let's do it, year Kay. one. So this... Just as a premise for you, I just want to go through everything that you would do with Stay Again if you were to restart. So in the first year, what would you do to make it be the most successful business? So that's kind of the way that this is going to work. We're going to talk about the ideation stage. How do you test your idea? How do you figure out where you can manufacture it? What price to put it at? All that kind of back-end type of stuff. Then we're going to talk about the launch strategy of how you would go about relaunching your business again. Um, and then after the initial buzz fades, how do you bring new customers in the door? How do you then get those customers to come back for more and become repeat customers? And then how do you grow yourself as an entrepreneur to have the skill set necessary to be successful? So yeah. that's kind of the structure of it all. But let's start first with the idea stage of it. Obviously, with business or with this business, you knew what you wanted to do there. So we don't have to talk a ton about how you came up with this or how you would come up with the business idea. But let's talk more along the lines of how would you go about testing your idea, testing the marketplace, finding a manufacturer and all of that kind of stuff first. Yeah, no, for sure. So I think back year one, if I was starting stay again, honestly, like I think our proof of concept, I'll be honest, I was lucky because I thought that the thing was like, 
awesome and it was just super cool because it was different like nobody was talking about mental health back then and then just the way that we were trying to angle into skate because i grew up as a skater snowboarder and mm-hmm. so i was like okay this is my group of people that i'm trying to promote um so obviously you really want to focus on who you're trying to segment who you're trying to target um another thing is trying to focus yeah so audience and then the next thing is um, the proof of concept is talking to your audience. And so just doing a little bit of research. So I first asked, like, honestly, I, I would do the same thing I did where I did my research, where I looked up to see, does anybody have the name that I have? Does anybody have the product or the design that I'm trying to pull? And then um, how many people are in, I'm going to be competing at, so kind of competitors and mm-hmm. stuff like that. What's funny is I did that. I just did it really slowly. So I just make sure to do it a lot faster <laughs> And then interview people, honestly, that you don't know, because I've learned some people, it's really hard for them to critique, especially if they know you. But if people don't know you, they're going to be way more brutally honest. Yeah. So for me, I would, because we're in clothing, I'd find a way to make a sample. And back then it was way harder. Now it's way easier to make samples. But back then I would find a way to just, as cheap as I can, to make one shirt and say, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're about. What do you think? And just get feedback from a bunch of people. And since we live in a college town and the the age demographic is that, I try to focus on that. But also because we were focusing on skaters, just going to a skate park and literally just saying, hey, I want your guys' thoughts or opinions and review them one by one or even in groups. But the idea is, is wherever your audience is, go to them and ask them questions and get as much information as you can. I like that. And that's spot on for sure of what I would do in this kind of situation as well. My question follow up with that is how do you go about knowing what feedback to actually consider? Because sometimes you can see trends. Other times there's like one comment that is like completely off the wall, but like it may sit with you and you may be like, okay, maybe they had a point about this because you can't change your idea so much to please every single person that you talk to. That's just never going to happen. You're never going to start the business. And honestly, you would have the worst business in the world if you tried to make it to please everyone. So how do you logically take that feedback and then decide which feedback to use and which feedback to disregard? I think it's important to recognize that um, everybody's opinion is valid because of their own experiences, but you want to find the trends and you want to focus at the end of the day you need to make decisions on what you think is right. So even like trusting your like core thought and here's the thing, just running with it, like taking that risk early and doing it quickly. If you're wrong, you can pivot really fast. Yeah. But if you're like kind of a few years into it and then you're like, wait, maybe we did something wrong. Like I'll be honest, we've done that ourselves where I'm like, shoot, we should have figured this out years ago. Um, so yeah, just learning and failing and failing often. And it's like taking calculated risks, but the smaller those risks at the start, the easier it is to fix and realign. And so, yeah, just, um, just recognizing that everybody's opinion is important, but it's like, at the end of the day, you're going to be catering to what you think is best. And so just trusting your gut too. Yeah. And I think what you pointed out with the trends is extremely important because you're going to notice that, especially when it comes to like fashion and stuff, you'll be able to see what's popping up really quickly. You'll be able to see when we, when we talk about trends, as far as like market research, we are talking about repeated answers that come across from multiple people all at once. Like those are the kinds of things that you really want to make notes of and think strongly about as well, because sometimes I'll be honest, a lot of times 
as entrepreneurs, we are blinded by our dreams and our ambitions. And it's great because it helps us get to the end goal because you have to have that amazing sense of drive and purpose. But sometimes those blinders mean that we miss out on great ideas or opportunities to pivot or change and tweak things just enough to make our product and our journey a little bit better and a little bit more successful. So yeah, finding those trends is extremely important. So I love that. What about as far as like finding a manufacturer and knowing what you should be paying versus what you should be charging? How would you go about doing that? So this is a great example because honestly, I think the first two years we did it wrong. And that's because um, the people that we had print into our stuff, they told us the prices and we're like, oh, that's way cheaper and we can like make X amount of money. And I come to find out we were doing it wrong in the sense that we, um, so in clothing, there's like um, retail costs. So that's what you pay at like a PacSun or a Zoomies. Um, but when you're going to a print shop, they have two different pricing. They have wholesale pricing and then they also have retail pricing. And so retail pricing is, where like, oh, I need to go make some shirts for my family reunion. Yeah. Family reunion. They charge you, they upcharge you. Whereas wholesale pricing is, oh, like I'm a business and I'm running and trying to make apparel. And so we got charged retail pricing for like two years because I had no idea. And then Mm -hmm. once I found out the supplier we worked with, like axed us because they're like, oh, you're not worth our time. And I was like, yeah, because you like ripped us off for so long. And I, it was just because I was naive and I didn't research. So I would say you need to do your research, whether that's trying to outsource it or do it locally. I mean, bless Google for having resources like that to be able to search. But I would find at least, you know, do as much as you can, but I would pick three and get quotes because that way you can price compare, like, is this standard? Is this not standard? Um, and then even asking like in your network, like if there's anybody that's had this experience before, cause that's really helpful. Um, sadly for me, like I didn't have that network, but, yeah. um, after being a few years in, I found out and that's where I learned like, okay. So, um, but luckily with clothing specifically, I've learned it's a lot easier to work with people, um, when you start somewhere close because that way you can see the process and even ask them, like, can I come to the shop and check it out? So like, I have a really good relationship with our printers in Provo where I actually go in and I check the printing and I get to experience that. Um, and so it's kind of a fun opportunity to get behind the scenes versus like, Oh, I just want a shirt done. So does, does the printer also supply the material, like the clothing that you actually buy, or do you purchase your clothing from another place, get that source and then bring it to the printer? So that's yeah, another great question. Um, so when we started, we had this, the printer supply it and they were upcharging us and we didn't know that. And they were upcharging us on the printing too. And so <laughs> you had a double whammy. Oh problem. yeah. It was really bad. Like honestly, our costs dropped significantly once I figured it out. Mm-hmm. And so once I figured it out, I found the right supplier. So there's distributors for wholesale for apparel. Again, they're so much easier um, to find now on social media. Like um, whether like with Utah close by, there's a place called SLC Activewear. Like it's where honestly, I think 90% of people here in Utah buy their shirts from. We use different suppliers because there's other suppliers that we want to get like blanks and stuff from. But yeah, getting it from them, understanding the cost there and then, getting them sent to our printers because our printers, they don't like buying stuff for people. They just like to print. And so they're very niche down. And so it helps us be able to like work with them better because they're not, um, they're not annoyed that we're buying shirts from somewhere else because they're like, we don't supply shirts. Yeah, that makes sense. So when it comes to pricing, then obviously with inflation going on right now, we can't talk like specific dollar numbers, 
But let's talk about kind of margins in like the clothing industry, stuff like that. Like, do you have set margins that you're trying to achieve or like a range that you try to achieve just to make sure that you're profitable? Because obviously worst case scenario would be you sell your clothing for too cheap and you can't afford your overhead costs and then it makes you go out of business. So how do you I've been there and do I've that? done that. <laughs> so I would make sure so some of the research while I was doing it in apparel is just understanding like what the margins are. So with wholesale, when you're trying to sell to like different shops. So for example, if we wanted to sell to a skate shop, usually the pricing is 50% of the retail price. So that means if we're trying to sell the t-shirt for $30, um, we would sell it to them 15. for 15 yeah. so they can make 15. And so it's like, are we going to make 15? No, because there's costs involved. So it's like, how can we make it work? And so in apparel, there's a thing called 4X. And the idea is, is whatever your cost is, you want to 4X that. So that's what the targeted retail price is. So if the cost of your shirt is, you know, five bucks, then you dollar twenty five. Oh, or like cost. so no, the cost. No, you're good. So the cost yeah. is five bucks. You can wholesale it for ten, mm-hmm. and they can sell it for twenty. But then it's like, is that really the real cost? And so it's just understanding all those things, and especially with inflation. Like, man, it's been so hard. Like, there's been people where they get upset with us because we're selling like a twenty eight dollar t shirt. But I'm like. You have no idea. Like we print the front print, the back print, the inside tag, and then we have to package it and then ship it. And so there's just so much cost involved. And so it's just analyzing those, but mm-hmm. easily break, break breaking down, like just using the 4X rule as best you can. So it does make it difficult sometimes with t-shirts. It's a lot easier, but once you get into like hoodies and jackets, sometimes you get, end up with like a $30 hoodie and it's like, who's going to really buy this for $120? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we obviously don't charge that. So our goal is we love the 4X rule, but we're we're also recognized like our community is in a specific price point, especially going to college. Yeah. Like there's, you know, like, am I going to eat this week or I'm going to buy a t-shirt? <laughs> you know, like I wonder. Um, and so for us, we've, uh, we tried the best we can to accommodate that. So I would say like margin wise, we try to get roughly be in the 60 to 70% range. Okay. So just to be like, as far as possible. Cool. Yeah, no, that's very good. Very helpful information with that. So with you having all the margins, having all the prices going up, how would you then transition to launching the brand again? Like you now have all the backend stuff. You've found out that the brand's viable. You know what you're going to charge the customers, all that stuff. How would you create and launch your brand? Yeah. Um, We're doing this right now, not back in the, day right Uh so starting today so back in the day there wasn't things like shopify as well or like printful so printful is like a really powerful sample like concept where it's a company that prints like honestly one-off pieces Hmm. and it can connect to a shopify store so proof of concept it makes it really easy where it's like you don't have to own the product or even the apparel like they upcharge you for all of that but honestly if you want a proof of concept you put that up and obviously, and you can buy like a sample from them and they discount it for you. So you can wear it, take pictures of it and then like just show it up there. And so that way you don't have to have any money up front. So what I would do is I would literally use a Printful um, tool, connect it to a Shopify. And I think Shopify has like, honestly, like a 30 day trial. And so connecting all of those, buying a sample from Printful of your design. And I would honestly do maybe three designs and buy those sample shirts and then wear them either yourself or like have somebody wear them and take pictures. So that way you have some content with it and then post it up and then start it from there because 
your costs are so much lower. Like when we first started, I thought, oh, in order to get this price down, you have to order this many. And so I bought all of them. And our first batch was damaged. (laughs) And so luckily we got replacements. But it was like scary where I was like, I'm all this money out and the product isn't sellable. Like we're screwed. But um, honestly, nowadays there's a lot of risk adverse things. But um, it's just so much easier nowadays to test that proof of concept mm-hmm. but it's just like somebody starting it yeah. or knowing how to start it so yeah so printful and then shopify and then boom it's pretty easy then just marketing on social media so then yeah let's talk about the marketing side of things then how do you bring those new customers in how do you introduce them to your brand over the thousands of other potential clothing brands that are online and stuff like yeah i mean about? nowadays it's so hard like honestly i I've thought about that where I'm like, man, I feel lucky that our account on social media has a decent following and we have enough money to be able to jump ahead of these people because it is so difficult these days. So obviously having a unique message, but I would say like proof of concept is people believe in brands when they show social proof. So it's like whether you can get reviews on your website through friends, like actual legit friends buying it so that way it's not like fake but sometimes i mean honestly even showing something up there that said like rob purchased this and loved it like people just value that it shows legitimacy because there's fake stuff on social media there's like drop shippers and stuff too like not not saying they're like bad but just like sometimes you don't know what you're actually getting Mm -hmm. and so usually when you start if people don't know what you are they question is this legitimate business or not yeah like even to this day there's people that message us they're like is this a legit company and i'm like yes like (laughs) how are we not legit but you know like people are concerned about that uh doing that and honestly it just depends on what your audience is or what the messaging is so with stay specifically with because that's how we're talking about year one for us right sorry for some reason i was thinking other people too but year one for us like really focusing on the messaging of mental health awareness and really providing value for customers. Cause that's where um, I would say we didn't do as well. We pushed the idea of like sell, 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 because that's like in order to like make money, we need to like have people buy their stuff. And yeah. so sometimes at the start you focus so much on that, but I've learned with business, it's all about providing value. It's a providing a service and building a community. And so that's what I would really push more is how can I serve people and helping them understand about mental health and doing it a lot faster than we did it like in our business. And so whether that's providing inspirational quotes or messaging or even explaining to people like how a positive message can help and then relating it to our products. So that's like the idea of is having a hook and then having a call to action towards the end of it. And so it's not forcing people to buy, but helping them understand like the value of what our product is. And I think that's huge is like too often, like you, like you said, we get focused on the sell, 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 sell mentality, which obviously has to happen, but people know when they're being sold to, like they don't want to be sold to like, just think about yourself. When was the last time that you had a salesman come in and you clearly saw that they were after your money, after your wallet, like it doesn't do anything. So I really, I am a hundred percent behind your idea of, providing that value to them. Like you give them a hook, you give them something of value that either is like what you said, some quotes or like whatever it is, something easily consumable that they value and actually is going to make them happy. And then as a side note, by the way, if you like this, 
here's some more stuff that you may like as well. And then you can link your products or whatever it is. Like just thinking kind of social media to then email marketing and all that trend with it. Like never try and put ads. This is just me speaking right here. You may be, you may think completely opposite. <laughs> I'll validate me, you on what you're saying. <laughs> thank so. you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but I just am a very strong believer that you should not ever use ads specifically to drive a purchase. Like that's just something that never works well for me. The ads that I always find myself clicking on are, okay, I'll put a caveat. If there's a ridiculous deal going on, like 50% <laughs> off, you better believe, like Taft, when yeah. I see some of their like biannual sales going on, oh yeah, I'm definitely clicking on those ads. Yeah. But but it took you, part, but it took you some experience to knowing what Taft is, right? Exactly. And so you were like later on in their business funnel mm-hmm. of understanding. And so usually kind of what you're mentioning, usually at the top, if you're just being sold to, it's almost like too late of like providing value because you're just like sell, 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 sell. And yeah. so like, I know for us, we had that approach where like, we need to make money, we need to sell. And so now it's like understanding, like, how can I provide value to the customer? How can I help them understand how my product can help them? And, you know, like letting them know, like, it's okay if you don't, not letting them know, but like, it's okay if they don't purchase right now yeah. because not everybody purchases off first. I mean, first experience, very right? rarely. Like, like there's the seven touch points rule in marketing where it takes a customer seven interactions with your brand before they'll consider buying a product yeah. on average. Well, it's just like dating too. It's like thinking about like if you dated somebody and if you, the first date you're going to marry them, like who does that? I actually know somebody who did that. <laughs> so, but it was like one person out of thousands of people yeah. that I know. And so because of that, it's like, it's the same thing for business. Like, why would somebody want to marry you after the first date? Like, yeah. It's a bit aggressive. You're yeah. like, whoa, slow down. Yeah. Unless and they recognize business. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes there is that situation where they're like, I see the value. I see everything. Like, I want to marry you right now. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay. You know, but the, most of the time it's, Hey, like even I think a dating thing is a really great example where it's like, having a friend even tell you like, Hey, do you know so-and-so like they're a great person. And it makes you be like, Oh, that's really good to know. It's so true. the same the thing for business. Proof. Yeah. yeah. Social proofing. And that's how come a part of the other strategy of like starting would be getting influencers, mm-hmm. influencers, not doing it just for money, but doing it because they believe in yeah. your message. Because if they do it for money, I get it. People need to make a living, but if they just want to do it for the money. The chances of them being very valuable for you and your business are very slim. Yeah. And so it's just vetting the right people who you want to work with. So finding your people in your niche mm-hmm. and then recognizing how you can work with each other and almost have like a mutual beneficial relationship where yeah. it's like, Hey, we might not be able to like afford you right now, but this is what we're about. Um, would you be interested? And then, you know, like negotiating mm-hmm. because it's like the end of the day, you see value in them if they can see value in you and like them promoting you. If they're in your niche, it should benefit you quite a lot. Exactly. And I think it all comes down to like what you said, knowing your target market very, very, very well. Because if you're doing clothing and then you try and get an influencer who does barbecue stuff and he has like hundreds of thousands of followers and you give him your clothing, like people who are barbecuing, like generally are not going to be your target market, but it's like, find out who your target market is. These 18 and 24 year olds, who are the people that they are following? And then you want to get in front of them because those are the ones like your target market are following specific people. It's your job to find out who they are and then get in front of those people because then all of the results are going to just funnel down after that. So 
doing your research and not just bombarding any influencer whatsoever, but knowing the ones that are in your niche, like you said. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, it's really hard to find those people in your niche sometimes, but honestly, it's so nice with hashtags and like with TikTok, social media. There's even tools like um, we use a tool called Click Analytics and Click Analytics is a quick way to be able to search for people based off of age, off of following, off of social tags. And so it's really cool. So it makes it way faster to find hmm. people. Um, and so I'd advise people to test something out like that if they can afford it. Yeah. I've never heard of that. So I'll have to check that out too. That's cool. Now let's talk about retargeting and remarketing because obviously it costs a lot of money to bring a new customer in, but selling to existing customers is a lot cheaper than bringing in new customers. So how would you go about marketing to your current customers and getting them to purchase more or give referrals to other people? Yeah, no, I'd say that's something that I'll be honest, like we still suck at to this day and I'm still trying to be better at. Um, But it's also like the nurturing thing. So some businesses can kind of maybe... Maybe they're good with subscription base, you know, like where it's like it's a product that gets reused and mm-hmm. then they have to buy it again. For us, it's like, well, if your shirt's done, maybe you'll buy a shirt from us again. You know, yeah. like it's not like, oh, we send you another shirt next year or next next month. Not next yeah. year. Um, so for us, retargeting, it's a balance. Um, luckily, with like Facebook ads, retargeting is a little bit cheaper. And so top of funnel is kind of expensive. So I think pushing a lot of original content through TikTok and social media and Instagram specifically for our demographic. And then, um, content that's entertaining, um, educational, and, you know, just as a positive message, pushing that as our top of funnel and then retargeting a little bit with Facebook ads and TikTok ads. So that way, um, these people who are either interested, who checked our website out, we can share them a message of like, Hey, maybe you forgot about us. Like, Hey, this product would be perfect for you. Yeah. Um, and then also nurturing them through SMS messaging and through, um, uh, emails. And so I'd say we've, uh, we implemented email really quickly. SMS, we were really shy because we're like, is there an Seems ROI? A bit yeah, yeah or is there a return on this? And so we've learned, like, yeah, we should have done that way sooner. But really, it's that, it's that effective. Yes. So the, the reason why is in today's world, anybody can give you a fake email. True. And anybody can give you a fake phone number, but it's really easy to tell if the phone number works or not. Yeah. And so usually people only have one. And so if they give you their number, it's like more of a serious, like I'm into you relationship. Mm. And so the idea of building that relationship with our customers and community is really nice. But the idea is, is like, what strategy can you use on SMS or text message? Yeah. What strategy can you use on text message without saying sell, 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 sell? You know, and so like what's funny is uh, on a side note, this last week we sent a message because it was self-love day earlier this week. And we said, hey, we just wanted to say happy like self-love day, like do something today to like focus on yourself, like because you're mm-hmm. worth it. And I had some people message back. They're like, no, I don't care. And then unsubscribe. And I was <laughs> like, why did you subscribe to us to begin with? Like, I think we must have given you the wrong impression of what our brand is <laughs> yeah. because you obviously didn't understand that. Cause like that was just the text message, no call to action of selling, like nothing. It was just like trying to like just be kind mm-hmm. and just sharing. And it was just like, okay, people don't <laughs> like this. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it was like three people out of like thousands of people. Yeah. Message, so, but um, yeah, just recognizing providing value again, without trying to be so pushy on sales. So cool. like even thanking them for purchasing through an email and even like 
following up with them to be like, Hey, how's your experience been? Like, is there something we can do to make it even better? Or like what feedback would you give us? And if all this sounds super confusing or intense and really hard to set up, it's really that it's really not because in almost all email providers or I don't know what they're called. The, I guess delivery services, like if you think of MailChimp or anybody else out there that you may use, like you can set up automated messages that follow triggers that happen from your website. So it's really just a lot of work in the front end of, or just upfront, I guess, yep. making sure that these messages are crafted in the right way. But you don't have to freak out and think that you have to send an email individually to every single person because it's just really, really easy to set up. So that's one of the cool things of living in this day and age is just all of those things. They have to be personalized, obviously, like when you're creating them, but then they can be automated and reused over and over and become evergreen content, which is what makes a lot of companies a lot of money. Yep. And I wish we would have set that up a lot sooner because... We didn't set up welcome series or abandoned cart or even like post checkout until like, honestly, like year five or six. And that's what's so crazy to me is I'm like, why didn't anybody tell me this sooner? <laughs> and I think like, to be fair, they did. But I was like so concerned of like, oh, one person unsubscribed. What did I do wrong? And yeah. so it's like, instead of sending emails, I didn't send emails and it held hmm. us back. Um, but yeah, it'd be important to do emails. And I would say S- or MailChimp would be the way to go to start. Yeah, MailChimp, MailChimp isn't the best <laughs> email provider. And it, um, the way that they do it makes it so sometimes your email will automatically go to spam, not because of you, but because of it being on MailChimp. Yeah. And so Clavio is a great service because they vet who's on there. And if you don't follow um, the engagement rates properly, you can actually get banned from Clavio. I don't think I've ever heard anybody actually get banned, but they check to verify like, hey, like if you're... What are you sending? Yeah, what are you sending? And if you're getting so many unsubscribes and complaints and stuff, you can't be on our servers Hmm. because it will ruin our integrity for our company. Yeah. So, but again, MailChimp because it's free. And then if you can get to Klaviyo, Klaviyo has the best integrations for Shopify because it gives you so much backend data about knowing what your customer clicked on, mm-hmm. not only on the email side, but it also shows like where they've been on the website and what they've added to cart. And it's so cool to be able to see it. So cool. Yeah. No, and that's a very, very good one. And there's so many other out there as well. Like do your research, but start at MailChimp because there is a free one. You yeah. can do your proof of concept there and then graduate to one of those other ones like Clavio, which is I, I've never used it, but I've heard really good things yeah. about that one too. Yeah. So Oh, okay. This is great. I have learned so much. I'm very excited to, I, honestly, I love clothing. I love all that kind of stuff. I just like, it makes me want to start a clothing business now. <laughs> Never will. I have way too many half projects that I've started and not taken to completion yet, but I just really appreciate you sharing all this stuff. So now the last question is more about the entrepreneur themselves. So in the first year, what would be the three most important things or skills that you would make sure that you learn so that you can be a successful entrepreneur and leader? Yeah. um, I would say, honestly, reading books and gaining that experience and knowledge from other entrepreneurs, whether they're like in your specific industry or just any business, because learning how they think and what things they do and what habits they have are very helpful. 
The next thing I would do is also with that in mind, um, specifically focusing on marketing content, whether that's like doing regular research or like reading marketing books, because there's so many ways to craft how you share your message. Mm -hmm. And it's so important how you share your story and how you share this brand story. Um, especially since, um, what's crazy is I guess like after you become an entrepreneur, there's not really like a, unless you do it for college, which I felt like was so hard to do. Like they didn't really have a degree when I was doing it, but like kind of like they don't really teach you all the things of how to run a business. So you're really <laughs> focused on like one thing or the other. And so it's like, you have to learn how to learn by yourself. And I mean, that's the whole purpose of college that I tell people is like, I think college is great for a lot of people because it helps you know how you learn and how you can learn faster and how you can like understand things. Yeah. And yeah. And if it gives you a job at the same time, great. Um, so yeah. So learning from other CEOs, whether it's the books, interviewing, and then reading marketing books. And then, oh, what was the last one? The last thing I was going to say is, um, I guess, yeah, the last thing I would say is just like not be afraid to take chances. Again, calculated risks. Like sometimes you may think like, is this design going to do well or not? And it's like, well, you don't know unless you try. And so for us, we've taken calculated risks now. Whereas mm -hmm. back in the day, we used to like be very careful of like, is this going to do well? Okay. It's going to do well. Okay. And it would take so long in the process where yeah. it's like, you know what, let's do a design every month, launch it. And if it doesn't do well, discount it, get rid of it, do another one. And if it goes viral, awesome. And if not move again in the drawing board, but like doing that quick and doing that often is so much better than like just overthinking, like, is this going to work or not? And it all comes down to action. You yep. got to take action. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. Those are great. One personal question. You talked about yeah. like marketing books and stuff like that. I suck at marketing. Marketing is my <laughs> I suck at marketing too. <laughs> favorite thing and I'm horrible at it. But if there was like one marketing book or something that has helped you with marketing the most, what would you say that has been? Um, I forgot the author, but the book is called This Is Marketing. Okay. Is that Seth Godin? Yes. Is that it? Yes, okay. Seth Godin. Yep. This Is Marketing. And so I had it on my to-do list for a very long time. And then I was like, you know what? I just need to understand more things. And so I was like, "There's," and that's the hard thing too. There is, to be honest, there's so much content out there. Sometimes it could be overwhelming. And yeah. that's how it is for me. It's like, I honestly have so many saved tabs that by <laughs> having so many saved tabs, I don't do anything. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make a small list from most people's opinions of like people who read or who are, you know, like entrepreneurs would be like, what book really helped you the most? And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, that helped that person. I'm going to read that one and just doing it right then. Not like, oh, I'll do it next year. Or I'll do it in a few months because usually it gets delayed. Yeah. But yeah, reading this as marketing was just so cool because it was just like so insightful as I was reading it, like how to apply it straight away. And I honestly almost want to read it again just because I, when I first started it, I was like going through like Black Friday stuff. And so I was like, okay, that's great. I can do it later, but not right now. <laughs> yeah. And, but now I'm like, okay, January or fit, what is it now? February. That's February. <laughs> but it's like in Q1, I'm like, okay, things are a little bit slower for apparel. Okay. Let's, let's realign and how mm -hmm. can we like restructure our processes? Cool. Yeah. I've heard so many things about that one, but I've never read it. So I need we'll to start today, man. Yep. Or maybe this, or maybe after the weekend. Cause <laughs> exactly. it's Friday. Yeah. Not, to, <laughs> not today. I got more important things like the all-star weekend. There, this we, weekend, go. there so. we go. But yeah, thanks again. I appreciate this. I've learned a lot. I know that our listeners have, and yeah, just super excited to see where this journey takes you. And if there's anything I can do to help you out along the way too, just I'm always here for it. So oh, thank you. Thank you. 
I appreciate everyone who's listened. If you did like this episode, like I said at the beginning, the thing that helps us grow the most is if you share it with somebody else who you think would appreciate this episode. And also, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google, whatever it is, hit the subscribe. Wow, I just became that person that said hit the subscribe button. So yeah, smash that button right now. Um, And also going along with that, if you are on a platform that allows for ratings, please go and leave a rating. I love to see all the feedback and see how I'm doing and if there's anything else that I can do to make this podcast better. It also helps get this in front of more listeners. So Thank you so much for listening. I hope you take these lessons that you learned and put them into practice in making your own dreams come true. And until next week, keep failing your way towards achieving your dreams.